Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalam, Ala Rasulillah, Aslamu Alaikum, Arakmatullahi Wa Barakatuhu. This is your brother Ibn Shak, and today I'm with a very special guest, Sister Sharifa, with a American and Spanish Italian heritage. And uh, she lives in Kuwait, mashallah, and uh, she has a very interesting story to tell and some advice to bring towards the end. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, sister, how are you? Wa Alaikum Salaam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing good and I pray that you are also well. Alhamdulillah, I am doing well too, thank you for asking. And uh, what is the weather like over there? Is it okay? Is it sunny, rainy? Well, right now, the weather is like in high 20s or uh, low 30s. Um, okay. It's a bit warm, but alhamdulillah, it's still tolerable. Mashallah, mashallah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's quite, it was snowing today uh, earlier, but then it was sunny and then it was rainy. But this is the, uh, the typical uh, British weather, as I would say. Uh, so sometimes it'll snow and then rain, and then, uh, then there'll be like a storm all in one day. <laughs> so, uh, sister, we're going to... Uh, introduce, would like to introduce yourself to the audience so everyone uh, will get to know you, inshallah, and uh, your story. Inshallah. Uh, well, um, I am a, like I said, I'm in a, a revert to what Islam. I came to Islam um, when I was in college, and I am living in Kuwait. I'm a college professor. I teach English for um, medical and um, environmental sciences. And um, I've been here for, well, how long have I been here? Almost 20 years in Kuwait. And basically I, I live here, I teach here, and um, I teach at the university and I also teach Dawa. Mashallah, that's very good, Mashallah, Alhamdulillah. Okay, and did you want me to say a little bit about how I became Muslim? Yes, that's, uh, if you could. Uh, if you feel comfortable with uh, sharing that, and Alhamdulillah, please go ahead. Uh, we're just here to introduce yeah. you, uh, introduce yourself, so uh, many of the brothers and sisters who don't know you can uh, get to know you, inshallah, and uh, know your story. So, how you became a Muslim, uh, what, you know, what was your belief before Islam, and how did you, you know, how did you reach that conclusion of uh, becoming a Muslim? And uh, towards the end, uh, some advice to the brothers and sisters who are in the same position as you. What advice you could give them, inshallah? Okay, well, essentially, um, my parents were mixed. Um, my father was born and raised as a Southern Baptist. My mother is, was a Catholic. Allah um, yarhama, before she passed away, she took her shahada, so alhamdulillah. Um, but uh, she was raised and she raised us as Catholics. All of the children were raised as Catholics. And I grew up going to church and, you know, typical American girl. Then, subhanAllah, um, right before I was getting ready to go to college, I had a lot of different offers from universities and so forth. And one of my father's commanders uh, came to me. My father is a commander in the American Army, or he was until he retired. Um, he came to me and he said, um, you're, you know, you're well-known in the community, you're your family's known, you are very much into women's rights, you are very good at school. And also he knew that I am the kind of person that I like to argue with people, I like to debate. 
So he wanted me to be part of a group that he was part of. And this group was not associated with the government or with the army or anything like that. This was a private group. And he was connected to people around the world where they were putting people into positions, whether it's um, education or in government or in private industry. They were trying to put people in places where they had some sort of relationship with Muslims because they wanted to destroy Islam. By the way, um, is this the... the purpose was not to take them. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask, is this still happening? Uh, it's a private group and how they're placing, uh, like, you know, like people uh, that you, you know, used to be and stuff. Is that still going on at the moment or is, or is that finished? I'll be honest with you. Once I left the group, I don't know what happened with them. I know okay. that the man who recruited me, he died about 15 years ago. But other than him, I didn't really know anyone except my teachers, and I completely lost track with them once I became a Muslim. Mashallah, alhamdulillah. Yes. Alhamdulillah. So basically what he told me is they're going to send me to this university that was a primarily Jewish university. And there I was going to meet with some of the professors who were part of the group. And I would study international relations that would be followed by international law. And then they were going to put me in the American embassy in Egypt. Um, I thought this is wonderful. I had very, very little image or understanding of Islam before this. Um, I, I really honestly, truly did not know what Islam was. I knew that the poor Muslim women were walking around in bed sheets covered from head to toe. They were oppressed. Um, I thought about the poor women as people that, you know, got beat all the time and had no rights. So I really knew nothing about Islam. I knew all of the stereotypes. <coughs> Excuse me. So at that point, I went to the university. I started to study. And during the day I had my regular studies, in the evening I would meet with a group of professors and my job was to read Quran and Hadith and to learn how to play with it. I was supposed to become friendly and get to know the upper class Egyptian women because I wanted, they wanted me to make them go towards um, women's rights and take off the hijab and make their deen to be nothing more than, you know, you pray, you fast, and that's enough. SubhanAllah. You know what? You know what's strange? Because I, uh, I'm part so, of the And uh, one of my, uh, one of the sheikhs in there, he sent me a picture. And uh, basically he said that, um, basically this is the picture he sent. Uh, the, the Ramadan collection. But you can see here, uh, the women are not wearing any uh, headscarves or anything. And uh Basically, he said that, right. that if you look at the, the month and look at the ad, this is what Muslims have become. SubhanAllah. So, like, they're not wearing a headscarf, they're not wearing the, you can see the hair, you can see the, you know, they have no shame. There's no shame. Um, right. So, like, I can well, see that the link. Yeah, well, one of the things that I was. Yeah. yeah sorry. One of the things that I was taught um, by this group is that it's if you destroy, the woman within a society, 
you basically destroy all society that follows her. If you destroy a man, you basically just destroy the men. In reality, they have very little influence on the family. I mean, honestly, mostly the, the family is taught by the woman. The family follows the woman. So if she is not doing something, then they won't be doing it either. So when it came to the issue of the hijab, I remember clearly how they went through the verse about covering. And in the verse, it says to take the veil and to put it over your breast. The thing is, it doesn't say over the head. So because in the Quran, it doesn't say over the head, if you were to take a shawl or your headpiece or a veil or anything and put it over your shoulders and wear it like a shawl and cover your breast with it, you're doing what the Quran said to do. Yep. So I was supposed to be talking to people that they probably were Muslim, but they weren't very knowledgeable about Islam. Yeah. And this is the thing that for me, I'm always emphasizing, learn your religion. Because if you understand your religion, if you've read the Quran and understand it, not just reading it, understand what it's saying. The if you read the, the hadith questions. and you understand it, if you... Yeah, the, exactly. The, yeah, so if you understand your deen, you can't be fooled. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I've had so many people tell me in the Quran, it doesn't say that the, the woman has to wear hijab. The word hijab is in the Quran. The word khimar is in the Quran. The word jilbab is in the Quran and it's directed towards women. Yeah. It is there in the Quran, but because they don't read the Quran and because they listen to somebody who told them it's not there, they believe it's not there. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. So, uh, so, how, so where did you... Uh, so so what was the next step? Right? Where did you go from there? Well, um, I, I went to the university. I accepted. Um, I thought, that's it. I'm going to save the Muslim woman. I'm going to take them out of darkness and to the light of the 20th century. And subhanAllah, as I tell people all the time, I was the one in darkness. And I was the one that needed to see the light. So alhamdulillah, as I started to read the Quran and the hadith of Rasulullah my heart was saying, this is beautiful. This is logical. So I started to meet up with Muslims and ask them questions. There were some Muslims in the um, International Student Association. There were Muslims in the, um, what do you call it? They have the Muslims Muslim Student Association oh, at our yeah. college. Yeah. So I would see them and I'd ask them questions. Um, and even to the level that I'd be in a nightclub and I would see Arabs and I'd sit with them and I'd be like, well, why do you guys do this? And why do you guys do that? Most of the time they didn't want to talk, especially in that environment. Yeah, but definitely. Alhamdulillah, I did get a lot of answers. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> they had a little shyness. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, coming from so, someone. And but the thing is, yeah. The thing is, though, when I did get answers, every answer I got was logical. And I'm a very logical person. If you can convince me logically, um, scientifically, that there is a reason for something and that it makes sense, then alhamdulillah, it's easy for me to accept it. So everybody that answered my questions, what they said was logical. It made sense. And when something makes sense, it's hard to ignore it. So yeah. I kept reading the Quran 
with the intention of destroying Islam. But I also went and I took classes in Christianity to strengthen my, my faith as a Christian. And the class, the last class that I took was with a professor who had a degree from Harvard. He was well known um, in the community for um, religious studies and for Christianity. And in that class, this man, he brought a copy of the King James version of the Bible, which is the most common. He picked it up and he said, see this, throw it in the trash. I was flabbergasted. I could not believe that he wanted to throw the Bible in the trash. So as I was listening to him, he continued, he said, Jesus did not speak English. And so what he did is he took us back to the, to the Old Testament, the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Latin. Yeah. And he showed us how the Bible was changed and how Isa, Jesus, went from prophet, from God, well, no, from prophet to God or to son of God, depending on what you believe. When I left this class, I had no more faith in Christianity because I knew it was a lie. But I wasn't ready for Islam because I didn't want to do all the things that Islam would force me to do. And I didn't want to give up my dunya. So, alhamdulillah, I started re researching other religions. Um, it's a three-year process. I questioned people. I researched. I looked into every religion you can imagine. Even in, in the, you know, that this was in the 80s. And there was a group called the Hare Krishna at every airport. And I took their books. I took their literature. I was like reading, reading, anything and everything I could read. Every religion until... Finally, after three years, I said, you know what? The only one that makes sense is Islam. And what's keeping me is my intention. I wanted the dunya. I wanted the life. I wanted to be an ambassador. I wanted to continue. I come from a, my, you know, my family. I don't know about England, but in America, if you want to have drivers and you want to have maids and you want to have bodyguards, this was my life. It takes a lot of money. It's not like, like in the Middle East, people have that almost everywhere, but in the West, it takes a lot of money. And I wanted that life. I wanted to continue having that life. So I finally said, wait, the truth is the truth. You can't hide the sky by covering it with your hands. So one of the Muslims somehow found my phone number and contacted me. There was a group from uh, the Tablik brothers they were traveling around America and they were in the mosque. Yeah. He said, I told them about you. You always ask me questions. Come to the mosque and meet with them. Long story short, I met with them. I went from, it was around 10 p.m. when I went there until Fajr, arguing with this poor, mashallah, very knowledgeable man. He had to be 80s or 90s. There wasn't a white, there wasn't a black hair on his head or his beard, mashallah. Um, he was from Pakistan. And mashallah tabarakallah, I argued with this poor old man until Fajr. At that time, he looked at me and we looked around and everybody was asleep or half of them were asleep. The rest were looking at me like, you know, take the shaitana, throw her out the window. <laughs> um, but alhamdulillah, I said, this is the truth. 
I know this is the truth and I can't keep running. And Alhamdulillah, I took my shahada. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, so uh, so how, how are things now ever since you've taken your shahada? Is, have things been uh, improving? And uh, how's life been now ever since? Well, alhamdulillah, I mean, it's been, it's been many years and it's been up and down in terms of dunya. But alhamdulillah, I've tried to spend my time learning more about Islam, learning more about even the dunya matters because everything that we learn, whether it's akhirah or dunya um, in, you know, matters, if our intention is for the sake of Allah and to use it for the sake of Allah, there's benefit in it. So I've spent years researching, learning, and I've tried to teach people. Um, so it's been up and down, but Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, um, you know, I've learned a lot and I try my best to teach people. And, I, and again, to me, the most important thing is to keep learning, to keep understanding our religion, to keep understanding what's allowed, what's not allowed, why it isn't allowed, um, you know, trying to take and put um, parallels between the dunya and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. Um, you know, for example, I talk to women about hijab. So I'll go and I'll research um, what is the reason for hijab. And one of the reasons that I see as a reason for hijab is that men and women are different in terms of what inspires our desires. Um, men are primarily visual, which yep. is why the, the pornography and you know, magazines, internet, et cetera, is towards men. Even yep. when you have pornography that involves men, it is for gay men for oh, the most part. This yep. is not what inspires women as much. So, if you cover a man, it doesn't make that big of a difference. But if you cover a woman, then the man, at least that is cut. It's not going to make things 100%, but it cuts one line. And yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what he created. The second half, women, we are primarily verbal and tactile. So Allah cut that as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, do not shake hands. And that it's better to hold coal in your hands and to shake the hands of a woman who's not mahram. So a lot yeah. is cutting and that's on the women's side. So the touch is cut off. Don't talk unnecessarily. And then on top of that, if you go into sociology and psychology, they have done a study or several studies on what is the mating process of human beings. The first thing in every society, in every religion, in every country, is the look and the look away. The look and the look away. And the third one is the look and the sustained look. This is the start of the mating of the human being. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us to do? Lower your gaze. So yeah, if you look indeed. at psychology and you look at sociology and you connect it to Islam, you see and you understand why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it different between the male and the female and why he put certain rules, not to stop it, but to give us a chance to stop ourselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, lower your gaze and uh, guard your private parts. This is very, very important. Unfortunately, in the West as well, in the UK, um, there's times where uh, 
like you know like when you mentioned about shaking a hand woman will try to shake the man's hand instead and then when the man you know doesn't want to shake the woman's hand and say it's out of respect for women they kind of uh, take that as a misjudgment they misjudge it and assume that it's a sexist thing but in reality as a man we honor women we uh we dignify them and honor them as our sisters and such but uh maybe this is something we can do a talk on separately inshallah to uh make some clarifications about this particular issue so uh <clears throat> sister Carlos. actually if i want i want to uh, i wanted to interject something there what yes. i have found is that because in the west women have historically been put down when a man refuses to shake hands with a woman, they consider it to be something sexist. But what I found by personal experience is that when I refuse to shake hands with a Western man, they appreciate it. Yeah. I've actually had men tell me things like, I wish my girlfriend was like that, or I get it. My mother always told me that a real lady doesn't shake hands. So there is that uh, double standard because in the West, women have been um, put down and there is a lot of um, problems in terms of equality and even fair treatment for women in the West. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, a lot of uh, mistreatment, as I would say, you know, in the West, women are mistreated more uh, in compared to uh, Islamic countries where the Sharia implemented, for example. And even people who follow Islam will never mistreat a woman, whereas in the, in the West, we have many... Uh, Muslims, they're being like, uh, like many relationships, they have side chicks, girlfriends, etc. So they would like, you know, abuse yes. and, and uh, replace them. So there's a lot of mistreatment going on uh, in the West in terms of, uh, um, uh, you know, like women and uh, relationships, etc. So I think we could touch upon this uh, in the future. Yeah. And a lot of it is ignorance. Exactly, exactly. A lot of it is ignorance. So uh, I think we've touched upon uh, the main points for this uh, episode. I just want to ask you, Sister uh, Carlos, is there any, any advice you could give to the brothers or the sisters uh, who are currently in your position? And what advice would you uh, give them so that they could benefit from this, inshallah? Well, what I tell people is to read. If you are a Muslim, read the Quran, read the Hadith, understand your deen. And make sure that when you listen to a to a to any sheikh, that they are actually giving you information from Sahih sources. And if you're not a Muslim, pick up the books or go on the internet and read what is taught to Muslims about Islam. Don't read what other people write about Islam. And don't necessarily even read the books that are meant to try to convert you. Read the books for Muslims by Muslims, teaching Muslims how to be Muslims, and that will tell you the truth of what Islam is. Jazakallah khair, Sister Carlos, we touched upon all the topics, and thank you for coming, Jazakallah khair, and inshallah we shall contact each other again. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.